everybody to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Harrison Fagan and I am joined by Pete Zayas. I'm not, as you probably noticed by now after listening to the first eight seconds of this, Anthony Irwin, but I'm going to continue his tradition of introducing Pete and then not letting him talk for the first two minutes of the show. So um, the reason that I am here <laughs> is because, uh, as most of you know, Anthony, or I guess Anthony's wife, Dr. Jen, was pre- frequent show guest, is pregnant. And uh, they are going through the birth of Anthony's first child right now. So I am going to be filling in as host. And I don't think that I'll be able to make you as angry as Anthony normally does. But uh, I'm going to do my best. So, Pete, after, you know, filibustering you for a solid minute, I, I don't know how Anthony makes it last so much longer than this. How's it going? It's a talent that I think he has to work on that he developed over the course of years, that ability. So I wouldn't expect you to. I just have to say on this momentous occasion, it's nice to have a father-son pod like this to <laughs> celebrate the birth of, of Anthony's first child, Avery. No, this is actually fitting. I, I didn't realize that we had that dynamic going on. So like, you know, w- when I first came into your life, what were your fr- what was going through your head? Like, you know, what do you think Anthony is going through right now? Uh you know, a lot of uh, pride and fear and feelings of inadequacy. But I feel like with you as an example, you've grown so much in, you know, uh, under my parenthood that I'm just beaming with pride at the silver screen and roll editor and man in demand that you are. So uh, I, I'm sure Anthony's feeling similar feelings with Avery. Thanks, Coach Dad. Um, I... I am really excited for Anthony. I think he and Jen are going to be amazing parents. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, like like all of this stuff and like her growing up and, you uh-huh. know, get to, be, get to be Uncle Harrison. I think you get to be Uncle Coach Pete. Um, nice. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm not excited for is Anthony starting to lead points with, as a dad, you know, <laughs> just as a way to kind of shut, how, you how da- shut everyone um, down. How, how long until Anthony is an expert at fatherhood in, in his own mind? I'm going to say like three days. I think it's, three I, I think days. it's already happened. She's in labor. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he, he knows how she should be handling that. Um, he's and, diagrammed uh, it out. He's like, he's like, all right, so here's what we like. Here's how we take care of the baby. Here's the system that we have going for it. I'm all about process. You know, it doesn't, right. all, about process. all about process. Yeah, that's right. He's I agree. Telling absolutely. that to the doctors right now, <laughs> mixing, weaving in bad puns here and there. Uh, you know, medically and labor-induced puns. Um, yeah, I think I think you're on, on point with that. I'm disappointed that he didn't take my suggestion of recording with Jen during the show. I think he he's honestly just lazy. I mean, they're both sitting there anyway. Yeah, they're not doing anything. I mean, come on. No, I mean, how much effort does birth take? Like, you know, I don't... Just there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a man, I, I don't think I'll ever understand, <laughs> but you know, it can't be that... Di- I mean, it can't be that difficult. I've, you know, I've broken bones before. I'm sure it's the same. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before love we... you, Dr. Jen. Yeah, we love you, Dr. Jen. I think that we've now that we've driven away the 10% of our female listenership or whatever it is, but with uh, that insulting monologue, I think we should probably talk about the Lakers a little bit. And you had something that before we get into the mailbag, and we are going to actually try and get through the mailbag today. I'm going to actually like Anthony always promises lightning round and then spends like five to 10 minutes per question. I, I contribute to that too. You yes. Know. So, well, you make good points. So it's like more warranted, you know, with you. But um, it, you had something that you you want had a discussion that you wanted to lead us down. Yeah, but I I just wanted to ask you about just how you became a Laker fan, uh, and and just when I always think of the Lakers, one of the like, why do I love the Lakers so much? One of the things that always comes to mind is just like the relationship with my dad, with my brother, my mom, ever since I've started LFR, like my mom, my mom DM'd me on Facebook last night. So this is the one technology <laughs> that my mom uses. She doesn't have a profile picture or anything, but, and she discovered Facebook like eight months ago, right? She DMs me. She's like, have you ever seen this big three before? These games are really good. I was just wondering what you thought of them. So <laughs> my mom has gotten like really into basketball and the Lakers. And I just think that like the Lakers and sports are are cool. And the Lakers are are kind of special in this respect in that it impacts so many people's lives in especially in the LA and, and Southern California area where 
you couldn't meet a stranger and you find out that they're a Laker fan. There's just some commonality there that's really cool that you can share that and then build a relationship off of it. But on this day where Anthony's having the birth of his first child, I think of those moments he's going to have with Avery, you know, raising her as a Laker fan and just all the things that go with that. I just wanted us to kind of share our stories of that. So in your fandom, you know, how did that come about with you and your family? Are your brothers fans? Is your dad a fan? Just kind of like, how did that come about? Uh, just really quickly before I get to that, you, you mentioned all the moments he's going to have with Avery. I'm just wondering, like, is he going to raise her to be like, you know, like a take master like himself? Is he going to be like, you know, when somebody scores, he's like, no, 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 Avery, you have to understand. That's when you call them overrated. And you say that their success is not sustainable. Like, she's either going to be just like him or revolt in the other direction. And then, yeah, that's what I'm you and I come to have a condescending three-year-old, you know, running oh, around the house yeah. in a couple of years. Um, See, and and if she revolts, that's where you and I come in to how we are going to be formative her, raising her, right? Revolting. Exactly, yeah. raising her as a proper uh, Lakers fan. <laughs> um. As far as my like Lakers fan, it, it, my fandom is like mostly dead. I, th I think I have an affinity for the team now that more th so than any other team, obviously, because there's nostalgia there. There's whatever. I, I just don't find myself rooting for them game to game anymore, I guess is the difference. But that it all started. Honestly, it was uh, it was with one of my teachers in high school was like he started assigning us current events and it got me back into basketball because it forced us to read the paper. And I'm like, what's the easiest thing to write a current event on? The Lakers game last night. I don't have sure. to like actually learn about politics or anything like that or local <laughs> news. So I started doing that and then it got me into it and it became something that my brothers and I did together. We actually like uh, it, it's not really a heartwarming memory, but um, the most like like we would my I have three younger brothers and the one not the closest one in age to me, the one next after that Montgomery, we had decided we decided at one point that he was bad luck for the team. And uh, that he was barred from watching the game. So I remember like throughout my childhood that um, <laughs> that like we would us like trying to lock him out of room so that we could watch the game and then him sneaking in, like walk it, watching it through the window or whatever before we noticed <laughs> him and whatever. It was just like and then he's honestly like he's become the brother that like I talk to the most and we go we've gone to the most Lakers games and stuff like uh -huh. that. But it's just funny how all that stuff shakes out when you're kids. And I remember celebrating titles with them and, you know, like watching these championship runs and these playoff runs and we have all these positive like family memories together of just like us sitting around the house and you know yelling at our dad for his anti-Kobe takes and whatever like uh it, it's just you know it's something that I think it really does bring people together and it's special it is it is I'm sorry that whole time I was when, when you said your brother was named Montgomery which I knew and but it never registered like did your parents just name you guys after like 1800s presidents and senators and things like that like what are the other two brothers Malcolm yeah. is the one closest in age to me um, and that who's named after my dad's, I believe his college roommate or it was like his college best friend. Um, yeah. And then there's Forrest is the youngest. So, so not all, all of presidential them, names. But all four brothers are like, those are all last names. Harrison, Montgomery, Malcolm and Forrest are all last names that's anyway sorry they that's just wanted I'm, us to, they just wanted us to feel alienated when every single teacher is your child because when right. you're a kid you get embarrassed over literally everything and it's like right. oh there are no harrisons in my class i'm the only one ever like i'm all right. alone like yeah that's part of the job right and welcome yeah. welcome to the world avery um <laughs> and uh i so, mean i'm shocked that anthony is a big enough fan of the avery bradley signing to name his child after him but you know like Rajon, that's john irwin Rajan Irwin just didn't have the same sing-songy ring to it as Avery Irwin. A Avery I, Irwin has a nice like flow to it, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it it, it fits. It's like it's it's one of those things where like the first time you like from the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, that kind of like like that works. It's like it's alliterative. It like you know it fits. It flows for sure. Well, anyway, back to the idea of you know what we were talking about. With, like so for me, it you said that your fandom is mostly dead at this point. That makes sense in part because of how you acquired it in the first place. For me, I couldn't imagine not being a Laker fan. I will be pissed off at them. Right. And I will like, I, I'm, I am loyal to the brand and the, the cloth, you know, the name on the front of the Jersey and every person like who's involved in it, like they can go right. Meaning that like, I don't have 
loyalty to the individuals, but to the collective of what it means. Right? You're not a they can do no wrong or anyone who criticizes them as a haters type, which is one of the things I've always appreciated about you is that your your fandom is very genuine, but that you also take a look at things with this critical eye. It's it's true love, right? It's yeah. true, like you can't when you when you love something or someone like not everything can be fine and peachy keen because like if you're quiet when they're hurt, like all I want is what's best for the Lakers, right? Just as all I want is what's best for you or for my girlfriend Jeannie or for Anthony and Jen, right? And so it is my obligation if I really do care about the Lakers and care about you guys and you know all of the slack conversations and conver combos that we have where I'm like, dude, what the, you know, like I'm, I'm going to tell you what I actually believe. Yeah. And that's my way of showing love. Right. Is that it would be wrong for me to not speak up if I truly care about something and I see something going wrong or in an in awkward direction. You have a flicker in your eye like you're about to roast me right now. No, but, I was going to uh, say I, I can I can vouch for that. Pete is the same way about that with like the actual people that he cares about and will like criticize them behind, you know, and <laughs> he thinks about their life choices or whatever. And it's like somebody that I can always count on for unfiltered opinions of something I'm either about to do or just did. That's right. And that's why you, when you know, when I say like, you're, you're, you're doing great, man. Like when I, when I am complimenting you and telling you how, what an awesome ass kicker and what a future that you have. And I do do this. You can say it like it's coming. I believe it. It's true. Right. What's because weird, I would tell you otherwise. What's weird is that you always lead in with like, what's up Harrison fans. And then that is weird. That probably out. gets old, but you know, it's, we've got a tradition at this point. So yeah, it's true. Um, um, anyhow, where were we? Um, with, with the um with the Lakers for me it's it's always going to be a part of me because I don't have memories without it my dad worked for the TV station that covered the Lakers for a few years in my very between like ages 3 and 7 or so and so my very first memories are full of watching the Showtime Lakers that freaking helped right like watching yeah. some of the best basketball of all time when I'm having my first conceptualizations of anything and so that, and then just all the memories, man. I remember being in our living room. I had already moved out, but I'd watched game seven of the 2000 Western Conference Finals. And when that lob from Kobe to Shaq happened, I remember me, my brother, and my dad just jumping as high as, as we can, which is not high. And then just like <laughs> hugging and high five. And just like all those moments when we're together in inevitably the Lakers will come up as a talking point. It's a way for us to stay connected and it's it just a jump off point to, to have all of that. And I just think that's a really amazing thing about sports and the Lakers. And I want to see Jen, uh, Anthony and, and Avery experience that too. Yeah. And so that actually reminded me of, you know, like my fandom obviously did not, it did not start in high school. I was just thinking back to most recently when I got back into the team, it was actually, when I was a kid, it was a lot more genuine. And it was like this, like I'm following the team and ride or die, like what trying to watch every single game that my parents will let me and go. I remember going to games, but like, I remember my brothers and I, uh, the first, it was one of the first, we had started watching the Lakers during the playoffs that year. Cause they were good. And my dad would have the game. What year is this? So around it was it was 2001 it was the 2001 playoff run was okay. like wow. when my brothers yeah. and I started to get <laughs> into it and we were pretty little um I remember the Ori shot is like I've always described that as the shot that made me a basketball fan my brothers and I were like wrapped with attention on that game in a Palm Springs hotel room and literally he hit that shot we all took our shirts off and started running around screaming <laughs> The uh, balcony, like, and this is like, I was like probably 10. So Malcolm was like eight and Montgomery was probably about six, uh, five uh, or six. And uh, like the best man. running around screaming. I'm surprised we did not get thrown out of that hotel. That's amazing. That's a, see, those are the moments, man. Like you always have that. And those are things that you can bring up 20 years later and be like, Hey, remember that one time? It's just, it's a beautiful thing, man. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time on that and welcoming a new Laker fan into this world, into the, into our family. So let's, uh, let's kick it. To what if she rebels by going Celtics fan? No, see, we, we won't let that happen. Okay. That, yeah. I think that will be, that. that will be a failure by not only Anthony, but it will be a failure by all of us too. Yeah, and then, well, I mean, if it happens, then like he can finally taste some of the criticism that you know he's so happy to dole out to other people all the time for you know process failures and stuff. You want that to happen, don't you? Uh, I just enjoy roasting him, so I just kind of root for whatever you know, like, will lead to that. I'm not saying that I bought her a bunch of green baby stuff, but 
I'm not saying I didn't I didn't actually do that. Yeah. I'm not that diabolical. But you're looking at me like you want to fight. Okay, let's take a break and then we will come back and get yeah. to the mailbag before Pete fights me through the TV screen. All right, so we have a lot of questions to get to. Anthony was not is not kidding when he's always telling you guys that there are a lot and he's not sure if he's going to be able to get to them all. But I'm going to try. We're going to try and actually do a, as much of a lightning round as we can. I don't think that we'll get to all of them today, but that'll just leave stuff for later in the week. Um, so I will start with this one from Encarnic, and it says, it's actually fitting. This one says, congrats again on the upcoming birth of your daughter. Good job as well, planning so that future birthday parties don't conflict with Laker playoff games. Yes. Um, Yes. So that was actually and it was great planning by Anthony to like, you know, he has the birth at a time when it's very easy for him to take time off during the it, it was smart. I honestly I got to give it to them. It, it really was. This is an NBA baby through and through. August is when everyone takes that time off. And so this is perfect. Yeah. So um, he says he asks if the Lakers win a championship this season, does that mean you are forced to have a kid the next year? I'm going to assume that question is for Anthony and not for me, because no, I'm not planning on having a kid during the next year. Uh, um, but I will speak for Anthony and say, yes, if the Lakers win a title, he is promising right now to have another baby and name them Rajon Irwin. OK, I will speak for Jan and say that that is absolutely the case and that she will carry that burden as a as a Laker fan as well. OK, so we got it figured out. So, uh, all right. You're welcome. Part, Third part of that question, those covering the Lakers do a great job. And oh, you're going to love this and deserve superhero names. I've proposed you go by sure no bro because you can wildly overreact, but seem like a nice guy at the core. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> was Chernobyl nice at the core? That's not. I agree. No, I, I love the nickname because Anthony can just start radiating anger and takes at any time. Yeah, the whole the but but it was nice at the core. Yeah, that kind of yeah. Yeah, I mean I, that I part. It. I don't know if it may. I mean I agree, but I don't know if that justifies. Can we make that a bad pun somehow. If Anthony was here, he could turn Chernobyl into a bad pun. That I mean, we got Chernobro. So oh, no bro. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. Got it. Okay. No, that, that would have been very mean if they would have just said your nickname Chernobyl. Yes. <laughs> um. So he says, I have no idea what to name Pete. Pete, what would your superhero name be? Man, I don't know. Like. Why are we talking so much about all right? Uh, so first off, do super do superheroes name themselves? Generally, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think in a lot of cases, yeah. When does that happen in the origin story? Or is I mean it it, de it depends on like the hero and like how narcissistic they are. Like some of them it's just like what media starts calling them or whatever, but some of them like Batman, he's just like, I'm going to turn myself into a guy that looks like a bat because bats are scary. Was Captain America ever like private America or no, like, I don't think he goes into America. They, oh. they definitely gave him PEDs. So, okay. So he was instantly captain America. Is there, was there some sort of like ROTC program he was in? That... Uh, uh, he had to go through some training or whatever, but like, then he got the super soldier serum and all of a sudden was uh like, you know, he had super strength, super agility, all that stuff. And instantly a captain. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. I'm learning. Are you so? What are you like, Captain Captain Film? Oh, I Captain Pete. All know. right, well, I don't do this. So What's then your he, says, name he says, and for Harrison, I'm having a tough time figuring out how giraffe works for a superhero name. So that was mean and unnecessary. Um, I guess was, I'm and just giraffe. Yeah, I just like I didn't read the whole question before re reading it on air, and so <laughs> he got me a little bit with that one. Um, this second one. <laughs> is from uh, Bevo Dive, and it says, Hi, Anthony, love the show. Listen every morning, and although I don't agree with all your takes, I love the points you and Pete bring up. I think Pete and I also don't agree with all of Anthony's takes, so we're with you on that one. Uh, question, I keep hearing so-and-so is a top five player. So-and-so is usually Kawhi, LeBron, AD, Steph, Giannis, Harden, etc. That's six guys right there. Right there. Mathematically, that's not possible. Once and for all, can you rank your top 10 to 15 players in the NBA as it stands today? P.S. Kobe is the godfather of the modern NBA. So I guess he just did that one just to get one little shot in Anthony at the beginning and end. Pete, where would you put your uh, – who are your top 15? I know I'm putting you on the spot. My top 15? Top 10, 15. Oh, yeah. Well, um, who's your top five? I guess let's start there. So to me, there are three guys that are clearly in the top top three. Uh, then So like I think of it more in tiers, right? So it's – in 
whatever order you want them, Kawhi, Giannis, and LeBron is tier one. Then after that, uh, Steph is the closest guy for me to tier one that I'd put in tier two. As for the fifth best player, <sighs> probably probably James Harden. Um, I, I have AD around six or seven. AD obviously makes totally sense. fair. Yeah, I think he makes you know a significantly bigger impact on on the defensive end. But Harden is the hub of a high level offense. You know, and, what I, mean? and I think that there's a chance that you could see AD. I mean, he's only 26. This is the right. thing that we always right. talk. Like he's that's crazy. Every single time I like I Google his age to fact check it and make sure that I'm not like misciting it or whatever when I write an article and mention that is like like that's insane that he's 26 and two years ago he finished top three in MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. He could still make another leap and very easily end up number one, end up in the top five, whatever. I, I think it's it's not just possible i think it's probably more likely than not that he's perceived as a top five guy once once this year is over i i think that a lot of th this sounds pejorative and it's not meant to be but i think ad is ideally a number two option now he can be a very good number one option but i think he's like the best number two option that and, and in terms of taking advantage of what he can do naturally that is a better fit for him than him being like a really good number one. I think he's the best number two that you can have. And I think that that is very likely to catapult him into the top five. This yeah. Year. And that's the thing. I mean, we've, we've gone over this tons of times, but like, he's just never had somebody that pressures defenses like LeBron on mm -hmm. his team. Right. And the amount, like the ability to turn, to just let him screen and roll and go to the basket and catch lobs without like getting, you know, like pressure free or like with less pressure than he was getting in new Orleans. Like LeBron is going to free up so, so many easy buckets for him when they're both playing together that I do think that there's a chance that he could take like that he could become way more efficient this year offensively and then be able to use that extra corresponding energy potentially on defense to have another great year there. Absolutely. We talk about who the year where he was top three in MVP voting and top three in defensive player of the year voting. Well, who, who, who was he playing alongside that year? He was playing alongside DeMarcus Cousins for yep. the first for most of it, right? And that helped to allow better opportunities for him. Now, Boogie got hurt, and then AD still went crazy toward the end of that year, and that I, I don't want to discount that. But Boogie was the only guy he's played with that puts on a, a reasonable facsimile of what uh, of what LeBron is able to do, and LeBron can do it from the perimeter in ways that Boogie couldn't. So, yeah, we could absolutely see a breakout year from a guy who's already like a top seven guy, which is crazy. Is there anybody that you'd have in like your top 15 that you don't think people would necessarily expect just as long as since we aren't going to rank them out because I didn't give you the heads up beforehand or, you right. know, anybody that you think is like primed for that or is like underappreciated right now? I think when he cares and is in shape, I think Draymond's a top 10 player. Yeah, uh, I think I would rank Draymond higher than than most people would because I just think his impact on it was the same argument I, I always made for Lonzo. Right. I think that. Our perception of players, I think we overrate individual scoring. Now, yeah, absolutely. This, it's a bit of a paradox because a great individual scorer, number one option guy you can build your offense around is the most important thing. It's just not the only thing, right? And we so Draymond— look at those second guys. It's like they're doing a little less, and like that's actually that's a lot less valuable than the guy who can kind of do it all and be that primary hub offensively. But because we're taught to look for that main scorer, we're just like, oh, well, this guy averages 20 points a game. So that's like that's almost right. all-star level, right? You know, That's right. Like, and and my, my whole thing is always like, look, when the shot goes up, there's one guy taking the shot and usually one guy defending him. What are the other eight guys doing? Right. Like where, where can you find value? And so having a guy like Draymond or a guy like Lonzo and Lonzo's to a much lesser extent at this point of his career. I'm glad that he's got that, of, that because I, I had a. OK, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Lonzo is not it, like Lonzo is cut from that cloth, yes. meaning that he's built now the competitiveness. I don't I think Lonzo's competitive, but Draymond is insane. Right. Yes. And we've yet to see that from Lonzo. Um I think having a guy who can have a, a a huge impact on the game without having to score means that he can be dominant at the same time that a dominant scorer can be dominant, right? And we should see this from Anthony Davis this year. Anthony Davis is going to have some like six or seven block nights with 
three, four steals. Those are the type of numbers he puts up. And and maybe LeBron's dropping 40 on the other end while AD's still putting up 25, right? But yeah. the ability to be dominant simultaneous to somebody else being dominant, now that's something that Harden can't do, right? Harden has difficulty unless he's able to get a player who's able to contribute in non-scoring ways. That's that, why that's, that's the other him. thing is Davis, like when you mention him as the perfect number two option is like he his skill set. A lot of the times I, I wrote about this over the weekend when Vogel was talking about making Davis a hub of everything the Lakers want to do offensively. And it's like a lot of the time when these two stars come together, the big narrative is like, oh, can they fit together? Can they coexist? You haven't seen any of that with LeBron and AD. And the reason for that is because it's that rare star pairing like Shaq and Kobe kind of where their skills don't detract from each other. They actually accentuate each other and maybe even do a greater degree than Shaq and Kobe. Did. I, now I'm not saying they're necessarily a better duo yet than Shaq and Kobe was. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they may complement each other as well as we've ever seen two stars complement one another. No, that's absolutely the case. I mean, at his core, AD is a finisher and LeBron is a creator, right? And so when you put those two guys together, good things are going to happen. Yeah. All right. Let's take one more and then do a quick, uh, another quick break. So um, you already answered the pineapple question, right? Would you eat pineapple pizza for a year if the Lakers yes, got cut? Okay. Yes, so uh, this one just says, hey, this is from Rotating Relaxation. It says, hey, Anthony and Pete, I enjoy the show. I particularly enjoy the analysis, which is really my favorite part of basketball and sports in general. Do you think the crowd will chant? Okay. I don't. This is why I should have read these before. Uh do you, okay, we'll answer the second part of this question. Do you think you've sold Kurt Rambis short? His coaching record is bad, but I doubt any coach, great coach, could have earned more than three to five wins than he did given his team. So, like, he's saying that no one could have won that many more games than Rambis did when he was a coach. He certainly had Phil Jackson quite enamored with his ability to be a critical thinker with respect to basketball. So, who from Phil Jackson's coaching tree has been a successful head coach? This isn't just a Rambis thing, right? Like, Phil's... Phil's talent is the ability to galvanize very talented and ego-driven people, which are often the same thing, right? Um, and and I, a lot of times I think he conflated the triangle offense and his principles on the court with his ability to get, like, he, he was with teams that had championship-level talent and was able to get them to work together. That didn't mean that the systems were all that great or influential. Um, and he was an all-time manager. That's right. Yeah. That's right. With Rambis, I mean, Ram, it's not it's not just the win total with him. It's are these teams making progress? Look, you take over a Minnesota team that's garbage. Nobody's expecting you to win 45 games the next year. But are you progressing from one year to the next? Are young players getting better? Is there something cohesive building in, in the right direction? Right? And that's when, like, when God strike me dead for making this. This is just the name that pops to mind. <laughs> Brad, Brad Stevens did a lot with <laughs> not a ton of talent for the Celtics. In, right now, he's yeah. hit kind of well, because getting a team from, you know, 20 wins to 45 wins is a different skill, in my opinion, than getting a team from 50 wins to championship type of team. And yeah. I think Stevens is running into some of his limitations in in his ability to manage people at that are very talented. It's one thing to get that plucky group of, uh, you know, upstart underachiever or overachievers to do that. It's another to get like really talented guys to buy into what you do. That was really what Phil's talent was. I, for me, Rambus is an example of like the worst of both worlds in that respect is he did not, his teams did not progress underneath him even while recognizing that they did had lackluster talent and he wasn't, he hasn't been able to manage people either. So like what, I guess my argument is what has Rambus done to be granted a benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. That, I mean, my thing is like, this could work out. Like we've seen them start to improve their decision-making and things like that. Like since the whole coaching fiasco, they seem to have kind of landed on their feet and figured out how to build a team and all of that stuff. And certainly much better than they did last summer. So maybe this all works out, but like there is, there's no reason that these should be the people necessarily making those decisions. Like there's no reason to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they are like smarter than everyone's giving them credit for. I, I I also think that like the bar has been set 
really disturbingly low for me as a Laker <laughs> fan of like, well, it wasn't last summer, right? Like, and and look, this is the time of the year where we're all gonna grab onto the things that make us feel good and optimistic about what the Lakers can be. So, I mean, the Lakers had a had a solid summer, right? They they did, but it was not a, a great summer. I've seen too many great summers over the course of Lakers history for me to be heaping praise upon praise for what the front office has done. They traded a lot for Anthony Davis, a lot more yep. than anybody else was able to. And then like the boogie contract is the one where like that one, that guy could really outperform his contract. And that was due to circumstances involving his injury and things like that. But they and get a lot of credit. That, for that, How much of that was the players recruiting him too? like that wasn't necessarily the front office doing that. That's right. That's right. So the the Lakers looked like a credible NBA front office. As a Laker fan, I am greedy and I have high expectations that I want a front office that's able to pull off amazing summers, right? Now, you could argue last year they got LeBron James and everything else doesn't matter long-term beyond that. But I've rooted for teams that were able to get a Shaq and a Kobe. And it's, just, it's hard to judge it right now. Like, we all have to right. because we all do all this stuff daily and have to talk about this all the time. But, like, we don't really know how good this summer or last summer or if any of this matters is until the next couple of years. And, like, if they've won a title or two over the next couple of years, then, you know, did they overpay for Anthony Davis? Sure, but it was worth oh, it. who gives a crap at that exactly. point? Exactly. Yeah. Like, but if they don't or if they fall on some hard times, you know, then we may look back at this and like them giving away a bunch of assets that they probably shouldn't necessarily have had to. And the all the fruits of their rebuild are gone now other than like they're all consolidated into Davis. Whatever happens with him is like that's what we spent the last five years watching and like turn like that's what all that misery turned into so how he goes and how the team goes around him is whether or not all of that paid off and whether this was done well absolutely okay so let's take a quick break and then we will try to get to a couple more of these questions All right, so I was making fun of Anthony for not – okay, this is actually harder to get, like, lightning round on these than I thought. So I actually owe him uh, a little bit of an apology for making fun of him at the beginning. Um, this one is from LA240825. Okay, that's, like you know, good name. Uh, hey, Anthony, my question is, is there a concern that Vogel actually does his job well by not playing politics and benching Rondo? And could that lead to the politics of him getting fired because of the clutch factor with LeBron? I think I've heard you say it, and I agree. I think Vogel – screwed no matter the situation do you see a scenario where he succeeds well I, i'm gonna just because you asked anthony i'm just gonna do my best anthony impression and say no the lakers mismanaged everything and vogel is completely screwed pete how do you feel <laughs> i think vogel's best bet is to realize that he's not the guy in charge um i i think that he his job is to bring ideas to the table and this is a weird thing to say about a coach, right? But I think his job is to bring ideas to the table, is to be a collaborator with yep. LeBron. With And Rondo is included in this. Rondo is part of the leadership of this team with all of the criticisms, the rightful criticisms that are levied toward him as a player. He is one of the more important voices. You also have strong voices in Lionel Hollins, Phil Handy, Jason Kidd. You have a lot of people with leadership qualities in that locker room. Vogel will not be long for the Lakers if he tries to cram things down everyone's throat, but he needs to also be strong enough to stand up to them and to present his ideas and not just give in on any on anything and everything. That's a really narrow, delicate. I was going to say that is a razor thin tightrope to watch uh, to walk because, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I was joking when I said you know the Lakers completely mismanaged everything and he screwed or whatever because like this is what comes with coaching stars and coaching two stars with this level of power and LeBron in the form of you know just like everything he's achieved and just everything he was probably promised when he signed and Anthony Davis and the fact that like he could leave this summer if he doesn't like how this is working out and then you know as it, the kid thing as you mentioned like the, it, there's just a lot of sharks in the water basically. And Vogel has to keep them fed, has to keep them happy, or he's going to be the next meal. Um, right. And, 
you know, it's not an easy position, but that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of also what comes with a contender. It goes back to what you're talking about with, uh, you know, like when you were ta- answering the Rambus question, talking about mm-hmm. coaching and getting the team, you know, from like 50 wins to a championship level. Like there's only so many guys that can do that and that can get everyone to buy in while also keeping them happy and keeping them kind of liking them. Like Steve Kerr seems to have done a pretty good job of it over the last couple of years. Like he's a guy that comes to mind. Uh, Pop, when he had, you know, a team that didn't have any personalities was really good at this. Um, that was subtle shade. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like, I, I don't think that it's like Vogel's going to be fired for benching Rondo or anything like that. But that's one of the things where he's going to have to be able to stand up and say, look, like this is the right decision for the team and make his voice heard if that's actually what's best for the Lakers. And they can't find a lineup that allows Rondo to be effective. Right. And that's also going to come with other guys, but like Vogel is going to have to present viable alternatives to Rondo. And now we could say everybody that plays his position is a viable alternative to Rondo. Vogel is going to be responsible for making that case. I think that the default position for many of the people on the team is that Rondo can help. Like when we need Rondo, he'll be there. And there's a lot of evidence. Like it's hard to criticize a friend. It's hard to like, yes, criticize somebody that you respect and look up to and be like, Hey, you're not like, you're not, I I love you. I respect you. You're not, but you're not good at this. You know? Yeah. That's really tough. And that's, that's going to be one of the harder things that Vogel has to do. I don't know him well enough to know if he has that skill set. I do know that it's a very different circumstance than Orlando or even Indiana. He does seem to be taking the right approach, and he's been very deferential in how he's talked about LeBron and AD and talked – like him and Rob Palenka have both talked a lot about the partnership that they see with them. They aren't acting as if, like, we run this, we make the decisions, you just go out there and play. Like, that is not – and that doesn't work in the modern NBA. They can't do that. And so they seem to at least, like – They've taken the one step forward correctly, and we kind of have to see how they do for the rest of it. That's right. That's right. But Vogel's job is a very, very difficult one. That's going to be one of the more intriguing storylines of this season is how he navigates those waters. I'm honestly not even intrigued by it. I feel like we could have a Jason Kidd named interim head co- or named head coach like pre-write ready in like August. But, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll see. Um <laughs> Okay, this one is from Groove. Uh, It says, Anthony and Pete, you guys are seriously fun to listen to. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Keep up the great work. And then they're basically, they're asking uh, where we were when the Lakers signed Shaq and when they traded for Powell. So I'll let you go first on this. So this was the summer of 1996. I was 15 years old between my sophomore and junior year of high school. I would, there was a program on ESPN at 2.30 p.m. on Tuesdays called NBA Today. Mark Jones, who still looks the same remarkably, would host yes, that show. And and he, uh, that's where a lot of like the NBA rumors would be. And then the other part of it was in the, in the newspaper, right? We were, that was, yep. that was our Twitter, right? So I would actually stay up and wait for, I, I'm, <laughs> I asked my parents and I think I chipped in to pay for part of this, even though I didn't have much in the way of money um, for the LA times and the daily news that summer. And I would stay up and the de- they deliver the newspaper at like four in the morning. It's my summer vacation. Right. And I, you know, I just, you are actually insane. How are you not Anthony did this? To, like, how about you guys not figured out? Like, Anyway, no, I mean, I, I know, just, I know. It's just like, it's like every new story is like, there's another, like, you really like, you are like Mr. Late, like, this is, you know, this like is that, what, that's, that's what, that's what feels so good I'm about all of this. Dedicated, thing. but like, that's, that's a whole other level. Yeah. So, our, so I'd stay up and it's summer vacation, right? And I'm naturally a night owl anyway. So I'd, you know, three 30 in the morning, I'd get the paper out of the, out of the driveway and, um, read all of the latest rumors and whatnot. The, the plan B during that time was Bison Dele, formerly known as Brian Williams, and Dale Davis, if they didn't get Shaq, right? Oh, so it was this like, oh God, right? It was uh, similar to the Kawhi situation, but the Lakers yeah. did not have at least one superstar. They had, you know, right now we have two. If we didn't get Kawhi, it's like, oh, that sucks. But hey, we got yeah. LeBron and AD. Totally different circumstances. And nobody uh, knew what Kobe was going to be yet. Right, no, like, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And he was he was still so young that he was a couple years away, even how it worked out. Yeah. So... um. I got a call from my dad who worked in TV and uh, and 
it was about six in the morning. So this is like right as I've fallen asleep for about an hour after reading the paper and doing yeah. all of that, that uh, at the TV station my dad worked at, word was Shaq was signing with the Lakers. Your first day. entertainment source. It was my first entertainment source, <laughs> right. He was not one of the four uh, uh, late, in later years. But That's somebody who was part of the four would say. So <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so he called and I was like, are you serious? Are you, and he, was, he told me the this person person told that person and it's going to be announced later today and it was just this shot of just like wow like and it wasn't like you know you could go on twitter and be like oh my god guys sources are you yeah. know like it was there was none of that uh i think i called a friend like oh my god and not at six in the morning but yeah uh it was just something that i had mostly had to keep to myself and i and then it ended up dropping I want to say around 11 a.m. or so, something like that. And it was, but yeah, I was at home in Little Rock, California. Shout out to the Antelope Valley. And uh, that that's when and how I found out and the lead up to it. How about you? I was I was too young for Shaq. Um, I, I do have a follow, like, I do have a follow-up since we're talking about parenting, though, and all of this stuff and everything Anthony's going to have to go through. Do you think your parents were concerned at that point with their child, like, staying up till 3.30, like, reading the paper or whatever? <laughs> like, what do you think? Do you think your parents at that point were like, oh, yeah, he's going to have a career in this. It's all going to be fine. No. My parents, my parents are a little different stylistically than, I don't want to say I've been on my own since I was, like, 12, 13 years old, because that does a disservice. Yeah. But they were very much like... They let you do your thing. They let me do my thing. I would, you know, go bike to my friend's house a mile away and just like I was kind of and where I grew up was it's very open tumbleweeds and rattlesnakes and rural type of area so uh, not a necessarily you don't lock your doors at night type of place it was actually not yeah like there was a lot of yeah interesting stuff going on but it was a desert town right and so just in but I mean I'd always be in my room I had baseball cards and basketball cards that I would organize this these types of things it's funny to see them manifest and how I like edit and I'm like sorting clips yeah. that's the heart of what i do is like i put like hey danny green coming off of a screen 90 times there are 90 clips back to back and now i see it and just and anybody would see if you watch the same thing over and over again patterns are going to start to emerge yeah that's kind of like the fun and so i that was as a you know 14 year old or whatever that's me in in my room with basketball cards strewn out of, on the floor and i'm organizing them and sorting them in a certain way i i think that they just accepted that that was just part of who I was and I've always appreciated that they've let me very much go down my own path without a lot of pressures. And then what about POW? Where were you? I can get into my story on that after you, but like, where were you for POW? POW, I was working in insurance on 7th and Figueroa in downtown LA. And it was an insurance uh, brokerage that had an entire floor. It was like the 19th floor. And I had seen some, uh, this was on Lakers ground, right? I had seen some report from uh, Chris Vernon, I think it was, from the Memphis Commercial Appeal, was talking about how Powell was, you know, heavy rumors for him being traded. And then it dropped. And this was a job that I really didn't like that much, right? And there were, so I, I saw this, like, this news, and I'm like, so unlike 96, where I'm, like, by myself, and I didn't get it. Yeah. So it started, I found out when everyone else did. I like get up and I like run around this floor just like to all of the other Laker fans that I knew that worked there like we got pow oh my god we got pow like 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 shouting in a whisper you know like as yeah. to not get myself fired but I was a friggin mess for like for the rest of that day but I was like running around the whole floor knocking on offices of you know brokers that I knew were Laker fans we got pow I know oh my god right and so that was that whole experience how about you so I was in. A, first of all, I should ask: the, Does Anthony curse on here now? Does he bleep it? Like, yep. are we? I can. I can yeah, let yeah. it fly. Um, okay. So I was in high school when the POW trade went down. I was in a graphic design class with this like poor, like put upon, like you know, like t this this guy that you could tell he had been teaching high school for probably like twenty years or whatever. Way he just long. like yeah. yeah, he had seen it all. Like he was just like <laughs> he, he wasn't like a disciplinarian. It was like if you did something, it was just this like eye roll of like this is what I had to do today. I love that guy. He was really nice, but um, I. I was in his class and rather than doing the graphic design stuff that we were supposed to be doing, um, I was looking on Yahoo Sports and like just reading NBA rumors and stuff like that. And I'm, it was probably a Woj report or it was Ball Don't Lie or something or it was like it was like maybe the Yahoo homepage where I first found out. I don't remember exactly, but I remember I was in the front row of this class. I jumped up and put both my hands up and yelled, fuck yeah. Like when, <laughs> I heard, 
and uh and like this teacher just gives me this look of like really like today and then i just and, like and probably of, you were probably one of the ones where he's like i don't gotta worry about him i gotta worry about 10 other assholes in this class but this yeah. guy's fine so I, I think, that, yeah, I think a I coach, got a little leeway because it was unexpected. Um, right. Just as, as, a, as a coach, that was always like, I knew who my kids were personality-wise. And every once in a while, one of my, quote, good kids, I didn't, like, separate them like that, but one of the dudes would just do some dumbass shit. And I'd be like, really? You today? Like, I got to deal with all these other MFers, but you? He just gave me this look like, look, I'm just sitting here. Like, can you, like, try to <laughs> pretend like you're doing the assignment like everyone else is? nobody gets that excited about photoshop yeah um so that that was my uh that was my reaction the second part of this question was we'll just do this one quickly um was do you like uh as far as like movies just godfather 2 or terminator 2 for you godfather 2 although both are great in different ways original star wars or lord of the rings um lord of the rings okay you have you watched all of either I've watched all of Star Wars. My best friend growing up was a huge Star Wars guy. My ex was huge into Lord of the Rings, so I do think I've seen both of them. But it was kind of like a eyes glazed over type. There's of thing. actually like three to like six now. So, mm. uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, 80s movie, Back to the Future or Karate Kid? Back to the Future. And then, what's your guilty pleasure movie? Are, are you well, not answering any of these? I, I'm just I'm just throwing them at you. You're the you're the normal host. Uh, fine. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Terminator Two, Star Wars, and um, Karate Kid. Okay. And then, what was the last one? Guilty, Guilty pleasure? pleasure movie, like movie that you like that nobody else really likes. Uh like Soul Plane or something like that. Like okay. really, yeah. Mine is mine is the room, but I feel like that's become like popularized now. Like that's a thing that like people like it. Ironically, I think the one that people actually like hate that I actually kind of like and enjoy watching or throwing on in the background is Suicide Squad. I just think it's like it's kind of fun, <laughs> dumb, uh-huh. and like I don't think it's a good movie. I just enjoy that they were like, this is gonna work. It's like it all makes sense and everybody's gonna like it. Yeah, I've got a couple of those, and I, I've just I can't think of, think of them on the spot right now. But yeah, I've got my my guilty pleasure movies for sure. Okay. Let's do two more and then we will wrap up this uh, long mailbag and not have gotten through all these. So that's again, that's my bad, Anthony, if you're listening to this, um, which you probably aren't. Uh, if Andrew Bynum, so this one is from Isaac Corona and it says, if Andrew Bynum was able to avoid injury or didn't have an attitude, what does this prime look like? Most people don't realize this, but when he was starting to bloom before he was traded, he was really good. Um, so what do you think his prime would have looked? I mean, I think, I think the game would have phased him out to some degree regardless, just because he really was like the last post-up traditional big guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think... The last ones of that era. Remember when we lost our goddamn minds when he took that one three-pointer against Golden State? Yeah. Yeah, like, isn't that funny to look back in... That was only, I think, seven years ago? He was ahead ago? of the curve. That's I mean, right, I, yeah. Maybe maybe he would have fit in. He It was, uh, that urge was within him. Uh, I, I think Bynum would have been a three or four time All Star head, even attitude aside. Just just give him a healthy body. He was he was really yeah, good. It was he was the second best center in the game for a while. What happened with his knees? Like he just he was really special for a short time there, and like still really young. Um, okay, so second question is for you and Pete. Kobe uh, on, but. It's fascinating. Okay, yeah, no, this was uh that that one is I I'm not going to be able to explain that one quickly enough. Um, let me see, what's one last question? Okay, uh, all right, well, this one was I think it's more for Anthony, but it kind of goes back to our show, which we do weekly on uh, Silver Screen and Roll. So just search that on iTunes, and you can also get that podcast. Um, this question is from McNugget two four eight three, and it says, "Would you rather eat Applebee's once a week for the rest of your life, or wear a Celtics jersey out in public once a week, if possible?" Ask Harrison as well. Thank you for the show. We have on our show, uh, we have taken to slandering Applebee's just about every episode. Uh, okay. I don't know why it just started, and then now we we come up with fake slogans like Applebee's. It could be worse. Um, and <laughs> I know. I think I know your answer. Your answer is definitely eat Applebee's once a week versus wear the Celtics jersey. Yeah, I'm not you even eat it for every meal before you wear the Celtics. Like, I, what I, level of Applebee's would you have to be consuming before you considered wearing the Celtics jersey in public once a week? Bro, like, 
Is it like five meals a day and you have to finish all of them? I'm I'm just like because that might be fatal. I'm not even that mad. Way. I'm just like hurt by you guys. Like you've been around no, me I'm just more than anybody I'm except for like I'm my girlfriend and in the whole world. And like you asked me these questions, like I, I'm not dignifying this with an. I, I'm hurt oh, right now. Like, like okay, like we'd have be... to get to the like, we'd have to get to the, like the losing limbs or fingers or toes type of level. Like, do you not get me? Both you and Anthony. All right. I mean, I get you. I'm just saying, like, how far can we push this? Like, well, what level? Where Where is the cutoff for you with Applebee's? How much Applebee's would you have to eat before you consider the jersey? I don't know. Sometimes, like, journalists, I got to ask the tough questions. I'm not going to let you duck this. Have you ever seen Seven? Seven. It would be Seven with Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow. I think a long time ago. I don't remember it too well. So it's based around Kevin Spacey is a serial killer where it's based around his, his crime. He uh, around seven deadly sins, right? Mm-hmm. The one for gluttony, the way he kills the guy is by just like stuffing his face. Like it, like he, he constructs this, you know, scenario where he's able to just continually feed this guy. Right. That's how I'm going out. If, I, <laughs> if the other option is to wear a fucking Celtics Jersey. Am I loud and clear with this about the Celtics? Yeah, I get you. I guess he said ask me too. So I, I for me, I would I would easily pick Applebee's once a week. That's actually not, I don't actually like hate Applebee's that much. That would be I, I'd survive it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I guess that will do it because we have run out of time basically. So we're gonna end on that one on the visual of Pete being just like fed Applebee's burgers to death. Um. I guess if you like the show, you can uh, subscribe, Locked on Lakers, search that on your preferred podcast platform. Uh, leave a five-star review if you want your dumb questions answered and your fun questions answered uh, on this episode. I can just come in as a you guest. Can that. You could just like drive I can just by. come in like, I can collapse Anthony's empire and like, he doesn't realize the dangerous level of power he gave me in like having me edit this too. Like I, you know, I can say whatever and just leave it in. Like this is, you know, he really trusts me and that was his mistake. Um, so, yeah, you can five-star review. We will answer your questions on the show, or more likely Anthony and Pete will probably answer your questions on the show. Congratulations again to uh, Anthony and Jen on the sex and also on the baby. Um, and I guess that will do it for this episode. Anthony, Jen, we love you guys. Congratulations. Congratulations.